Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Brazil, your host to this show with these wonderful people, our Olympic athletes and hopefuls, and I get to talk to them about their story and path to the games. It's absolutely incredible. I love it so much. And today we have Mandy Markwit of USA Cycling. Um, Mandy was such a fun guest. Um, I had such a blast doing this with her. She was so cool. She was very honest, very open. Mandy uh, was diagnosed with diabetes um and that has really really shaped her life she gets in that a lot um a lot of the things she does um the just really going about her life and kind of how she got into cycling and then understood her her disease a little bit more and then everything she's been able to do since then is absolutely incredible mandy is absolutely fantastic i had so much fun so please enjoy this episode with mandy markwit all right today Mandy Marquette, USA Cycling, USA Cycling, a hopeful for the 2020 Games. We'll get into that a little bit. Born August 7th, 1991 in Mannheim, Germany. Started cycling at the age of 10, competitive cycling at the age of 10. Um, at age of 16, Mandy was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. She started in endurance racing and eventually switched to the track and is one of the top female sprinters in the United States, she currently races for Team Novo Nordisk, a global all-type 1 diabetes team, which is super cool. She is a 15-time U.S. national champ and was named to the 2016 Olympic um, long team, but unfortunately, the nation of the United States did not qualify. So unfortunately, Mandy was not able to go. But Mandy, we sincerely appreciate you hanging out with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So if you don't mind, I guess, when um, when did you get your first bike? Take us back all the way to that faithful day that kind of, you can almost say, shaped a pretty good portion of your life. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's my life. And uh, yeah, I started cycling when I was 10 years old. Um, I was swimming and running and doing triathlons before. So I kind of wanted to get into competitive cycling more. So I started on the velodrome in Florida because it was safer. And um, yeah, I just fell in love with track cycling specifically. I still did some um, triathlons too for a while and ran track and field and cross country in high school. Um, so it was just good to be like dimensional other things and not just focus in solely on something so young um, yet. But yeah, I just fell in love with it. I took me all over the, it's taken me all over the world and it's, it's just to, you know, who I am and the bike is, you know, 17 years later, I'm still doing it today and it's been an incredible, incredible journey. That is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, man. I mean, it's just, it's, it's pretty cool at the age. Of, I mean, when, when did you actually just get like your first bike? Like, what was it? A Christmas present, a birthday present? Like, what was that like too? What were you like five? You know, I think it was six maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really remember, uh-huh. but I have seen pictures of me on a bike in the living room and I thought that was pretty cool. I guess I just got it for Christmas as a gift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I just, I've always done like swimming and running and tennis and just these sports that I'm just in one place. And so when I started cycling, I kind of, it was kind of like a little bit of an escape. Like I didn't have Mm -hmm. to talk to anybody. I didn't have to really see many people. Like it was just, it was just cool to almost like feel pretty free Mm -hmm. and to kind of be really independent at like 10 years old already. And so, yeah, I just felt so connected with the bike and, uh, I didn't think I'd fall in love with it so much that I'm still doing it today at 27 years old. That is fantastic. I mean, it, it worked. So yeah, we won't complain. And I, I think I rode a bike like a couple months ago. So um, 
I'm still doing it at 26. <laughs> so maybe, you know, we're kind of in the same boat. Who knows? Um, but also, so one thing I found interesting, you were born in Germany, correct? What, um, yeah. what is your family German? Is it a, a military background? What exactly brought you from over there to over here? Yeah, uh, I was born in Manhattan, Germany, and my father's German, and my mom's American. She's from Florida. So we moved to Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, when I was seven, and just for school and to get, you know, be closer to my mom's side of the family. Um, so yeah, German is my first language, and I do have also dual citizenship, um, which is really cool. Um, so I get to, when I get to travel to Europe, I can show my German passport, but uh, yeah, I growing up in Florida um, and just being you know just super super active and just the community out you know in Florida and it was just a different change and a different lifestyle. But yeah, we spoke a little bit of English and German in the household, so it was it was neat. Very cool. Yeah, that's definitely, uh, I heard learning two languages at that very young age um, usually helps. And another thing that probably helps is not showing your American passport traveling around Europe so they don't think you're an American <laughs> tourist. I hear they're not the biggest fans of us. I could never understand why, but you know, it they is. They are. I'm only, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. No, uh, but I was just there. I was uh -huh. just there for a big uh, diabetes conference um, for Team Nova Norris. Uh, so uh, it, was, it was pretty incredible how many um, people do speak English over there and they're so open, you know, to, to Americans. Mm -hmm. I think it's just the older generation, yes. to be mm -hmm. honest, a little bit, but people are really friendly. No, I'm, I'm sure I've been, uh, one time and everyone was very nice to me. So I, I only make the joke of the American tourists, but no, they're, they're all great people over there. And I'm sure, I'm sure you show both passports when necessary. Right. But, um, another huge yeah. thing that obviously happened in your life, we spoke about at, at 16, you were diagnosed with type one diabetes. Now, was that something that was there? Did you notice something wrong? And you're just like, why don't I feel right? I mean, you, you grew up with it, right? I really don't know how diabetes works. So if you want to educate us, but like, was that something that kind of sprang? Um, or was it something, did you never really notice you had it? Could you, I guess, speak to that a little bit and uh, educate the audience and myself? Yeah, I, I've always been an athlete. So um, when I was diagnosed, it was 16. I was actually in Germany at that time. Um, I was living there. I went actually back there when I was 15 to live with my father and race and get um, you know, some European racing experience. Uh, my parents had split when I was 14. So, um, yeah, so I just wanted to go over there and, and just experience that. And uh, I was racing for the state of Germany because there's, there's states that you race for and compete for. Um, and uh, so they had me come in for some routine VO2max testing. And then blood work, and they saw through my blood work that my um, blood sugar was uh, was high, and so I didn't really know what that meant or what that was. Um, but they said I had to continue to stay there until my blood sugar, you know, came down, and my father could pick me up. And then, uh, you know, it didn't really come down super much. And then my dad, uh, we went to the hospital, and uh, they continued to do some blood work and. Um, some, uh, you know, MRIs and just to see if everything, like my kidneys and everything was functioning. And I was so confused at that point. I was like, oh, was this something like that I did? Because I was mm -hmm. like, I just associated, you know, diabetes with being overweight and not mm -hmm. active, right? So I'm like, what did I do? Did I eat something wrong? And I guess I was just, I was pretty uneducated in that department of type one and type two diabetes. They're totally, they're pretty much they're totally different. So I have type one diabetes. And so 
I did not do anything to cause that. Um, it was just more just genetics. And it probably happened during puberty or when I had a really bad virus or, or something. It, something triggered um, you know, my pancreas to stop releasing insulin and stop working. And so, yeah, I basically joke, like, I have this organ in my body that doesn't, it doesn't work. So it's <laughs> just taking up space. But um, the main function with insulin is to break down carbohydrates so I have energy. And as an athlete, like, I need insulin in order to have energy, right, to compete and even to, even to, even brain function, too. I mean, all those things are important to have, you know, to have good, good blood sugars. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, I was pretty upset at the hospital, um, but I was open to like this new change that I had to adapt to. Like, okay, what do I need to do? I was like, okay, like, is this going to go away? Is this just is this temporary or what do I need to do? And then they explained everything. And I was like, okay, so this is, I guess, for life, unless there's a cure one day. Um, but I had a doctor in the hospital tell me that I would never be able to compete at a high level. He's like, it's not possible. And I kind of believed him. I was like, okay, so here are like, you know, at that time, like my chances or like my outlook wasn't really the Olympics because I didn't really know the process and how to get there. And I was still kind of a junior, but I knew like I wanted to just be the best athlete and continue doing the sport. Right. And that's, and I believed him, but at the same time, I was like, there has to be a way that I can still race properly. Right. Mm -hmm. And my dad was really supportive um, there. And I didn't have my mom at the time there, but you know, she, we talked almost every day and, um, but I didn't meet any other people with diabetes there, like type one diabetes or athletes. And that was the hardest part because there's no one there that I could relate to. There's no one there I could, I could talk to. That was the hardest thing for me. Um, I met with an endocrinologist and she was, you know, just telling me how to, showing me how to take my insulin, telling me how, what to do, just starting to, you know, get my diabetes management under control. And, um, yeah, then I started training again. I found that to be really difficult because I'm like, oh, you know, here's a low blood sugar. Here's a high blood sugar. I'm like, how do I feel? Can I eat this? Is this going to affect my blood sugar? So it was just so much, like, trial and error and so new because I'm like, you know, when I look back at it, like, yeah, there's times that it took me forever to warm up or I didn't feel good sometimes after eating a large meal or, you know, like if I really look back at it, yeah, but you know, you're an athlete and so you always like, you have good and bad days. So you think, oh, I just trained really hard. I'm just really tired. Um, so it's nothing that, that I really did foresee, you know, I didn't ever mm -hmm. see it coming, but then I actually, um, went back to America, like, a maybe a year later. Well, like I would say the biggest thing in that whole thing was a year before I was diagnosed, I competed at the German nationals and I was third. And then shortly after I was diagnosed, maybe half a year later, I competed at nationals again and I got third in the same event. I was like, that to me was like a turning point. Mm -hmm. If I can do it without diabetes, I can still do it with diabetes. And then I wanted to finish, um, senior year and I just wanted to go back and you know be with my mom and go back to America so I moved back to Florida and started you know looking also at schools and what I was going to do next like the cycling and uh, I came across um, team type one which is now we're team Nova Nordisk um, and we are yeah that was that was an incredible find um, how that all happened 
Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine was racing for them. She didn't have diabetes at the time, but there was a, pe- a few athletes with type one diabetes and there was running, cycling, um, mountain biking. It was just a big, it was a big team. And I was, I was like shocked that there was this team that people have type one diabetes. And I'm like, I want to be a part of that. So Heck, I went to a yeah. camp and I've never been in a room full of type one athletes with, um, you know, like insulin pumps or CGM devices, these continuous glucose monitors that help you, you know, that read your blood sugar and like mm-hmm. all these, like everybody in one room with all these devices and, and things going off and beeping and just like, you know, just talking about nutrition. And I was just like, never, I was like, this is so cool. And I remember being there at camp and I had to start to share my story because we are also, you know, competing, but we're also going to schools and visiting, um, visiting, doctors and mostly like you know at hospitals or just meeting kids with type 1 diabetes and we just needed to be able to share our story and I remember being in the room I was like I just started crying as I told my story because I was so scared like I just I remember I was like 18 maybe and uh yeah I was kind of like I was embarrassed to talk about it I was embarrassed and I was overwhelmed and um yeah, and it was just transfer, you know, just transformed who I am as an athlete and as a person. And um, five years ago, we we have the sponsorship, the team. We are we are so I race for Team Nova Nordisk, and five years ago, we went from Team Type One to Team Nova Nordisk, and we are an all Type One diabetes professional cycling team. And um, the guy, the men's team is sixteen uh, or so. Um, guys with from 10 different countries and i'm the only female professional cyclist on the team mm-hmm. um the team has kind of gotten a little bit smaller just as far as like you know like funding and just goals and, and just you know so in that way they they have been a huge support and it's been an incredible journey to to race for them um you know we're a professional sports team but really more than that we we are people you know we say we're people with diabetes and we have the same challenges and the same struggles and we all want to, you know, just dream big and be the best athletes that we can be. And, um, yeah, it's, it's an amazing organization. And really the cool thing too is with the largest social media platform of any professional sports team and, uh, and any other diabetes organizations in the world. So it's pretty cool the impact that we've made um, as a team and, uh, you know, sharing our story. Just recently I was in Berlin um for a congress event event it was for the 54th annual um european association for uh diabetes the study of diabetes so i was meeting with doctors and healthcare providers and just sharing my story and i spoke to maybe a room full of 100 to 150 people and it was cool because i didn't cry right i was Uh like i was super proud Mm -hmm. to share my story and just feel the energy in the room and how many positive people are here to, um, you know, to improve diabetes research and to find a cure someday and to, and just, you know, to be like, have so many supportive people in one room and, and have that impact today. I mean, that's, it's so cool. So mm-hmm. I feel like there's a platform for me, um, with racing and living with diabetes and making and having impact. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That is that is just absolutely incredible. Thank you for all of that. That was that was perfect. I mean, that's just as you said. You, I mean, you get to do something you love every day, and then you get to give back to that community that loves you back. Like that is just you know, you it sounds like you hit the jackpot, Mandy. If I'm being honest with you, so that is that is pretty incredible. And uh, just a couple questions from that story because I love asking questions so much. Why did that doctor? tell you that it was in quote unquote impossible for you to compete at a high level. We both know he's wrong now. I mean, everyone, as I said, 15 time U S national champ, clearly the dude was wrong or, or, or the lady, whomever was wrong. But like, is it, is it because they haven't seen it before? Like what, what was the reason that he told this 16 year old girl like, well, nope, you're never going to be able to compete at a high level again. You know, I, I don't know. I'd love to talk to him one day and ask him why and just change his perspective. Mm-hmm. And- just by sharing my story with them. But really, uh, I don't, I don't know why. I think it's mainly because yeah, I mean, diabetes, type one diabetes is, is not easy to manage. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're constantly checking your blood sugars, you're, 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 you have taking insulin. I mean, you're, you're watching your diet and yeah. And as well as like competing at a high level and traveling and, and training and training has different fluctuations too. I mean, you have, you know, strength phases and um, endurance, phase, like just power phases. Like there's just so many elements to it and just keeping it regulated and stuff is, is you know, many things. Yeah, it's, it's difficult and it can be some days, but it's not that it's not possible. Mm. You know, you just have to be really, really just open to managing it. And uh, yeah, I just know if I do the best I can at managing my diabetes, then I can be the best athlete that I can be. And that's just, yep, another factor that I have to, you know, in my training, in my daily routine that I, that I do. But it's, you know, at the end of the day, like, I want to also keep all my organs functioning and keep yeah. my legs and my limbs and all that. Like, I hear those. You know, but also, yeah, but also just, I, I mean, there's a way, right? If there's a will, there's a way. If mm-hmm. you, if you have big goals and dreams and, you know, I, if, it's like it's not I don't have a personal um like association with this but I don't have cancer right so Mm -hmm. it's something that I'm able to manage so why not I have the resources diabetes you know technology has improved like why why not so Mm -hmm. um I don't mean the doctors might have been older I know that's like a really long answer but maybe the doctor is older and he didn't know um any other Mm -hmm. person but I think long story short is that now today, like there's posters of our team, team Nova Nordisk in doctor's offices, you know, being at this event and speaking to doctors, letting them know like it's possible. And there are some of the people were like, really? Like even some of the doctors are like, how do you do it? You know? So it's just letting them know like it is possible and to be positive with their patients. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's the, so it, someone doesn't tell them it's not possible. Right. So mm-hmm. but, limiting, yeah. uh, I believe limiting beliefs are, are really huge and are a big problem. Um, like uh, a very um, notable one, like you could never break a four minute mile. And then that guy broke a four minute mile and then everyone's like, Oh, you can break a four minute mile and everyone did it. Mm-hmm. So once someone is kind of the pioneer to that, and it sounds like you guys over at team Nova Nordis um, are doing that or, or you, we were, and now it's almost common knowledge. Uh, give or take, or if it's not, it will be soon. Um, you know, that just gives all the little boys and girls or, or really anybody that has type one diabetes, just the understanding that, wait a second, if they can do this, 
I can at least do whatever I'm trying to accomplish depending, you know? So I think that that's really incredible that you guys really put yourself out there and you're on that platform and you take advantage of, you know, being the professional athlete, being on this team that's doing so many great things. And then also really making sure that you're giving back to the community. I think that's very commendable and, and, you know, appreciate everything you're doing on that side of it as well. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Thank no, you. I yeah, you're, thank that. you. You're the one that does all the work. I just sit here in front of a computer and stare at myself <laughs> for a day. Like it's not that big a deal. So no, thank you. We really appreciate it. And and now actually getting into the fact that not only can you be an athlete, but it turns out you can be a pretty darn good one. I mean, 15 time national champ. It, uh, I'll, I'll throw this one out there. Which one was your favorite? Was it one? Was it nine? Was it 12? <laughs> Which were like, how, what is it like knowing that you've done something? So you've pretty much just absolutely dominated for this long of a time at something, especially with knowing that you have this extra obstacle that other people don't have to overcome. Yeah. It's, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would say there's a favorite. Um, no, I was my first one. Yeah, I was going to say, I hope it's the first one, right? <laughs> yeah. Because um, there's a couple that was before, like I was diagnosed, mm-hmm. and then a couple after. The, this doesn't include anything from Germany. It's just the, the U.S. national, U.S. nationals. And uh, I also hold two uh, national records. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was named to the, uh, 2016 Olympic long team. Um, yeah. And I also have a couple of, uh, Pan American championship medals and, uh, a win from there too. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just doing what I love and, you know, going up to the line and like, I just feel like I'm no different than any of my competitors. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, there's something else I have to manage, but I think that's what keeps me disciplined and focused. Um, you know, it's just who I am. And so I'm, I'm proud of those accomplishments for sure. Um, but, yeah, just being able to do it with diabetes just to me is personally just uh, means so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, at the same time, I wish I didn't have it, but this is who I am. And that's and I am able to just prove to myself that I'm able to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and as you were saying before, it's something that you can manage. It's not that's it's not something out of your control. So, you know, it's it's unfortunate. Obviously, you don't wish you had it. But at the same time, it's there. It's nothing you can do about it. And you move on. And clearly, again, you've moved on relatively well, or at least you look like you've been doing a pretty good job. So when it when it comes to competitive cycling I guess just to explain the sport a little bit so you're on the track you're, you do sprinting um I guess just kind of explain like what a race is like just so we can get a good understanding um I'm sure I've watched it on tv once or twice but if you don't mind kind of um getting a little more nitty and gritty with us yeah so I used to do a lot of endurance cycling so not going up hills um but more of like criteriums and just longer track events but about five years ago, I uh, decided to switch just to track sprinting. So it's, you know, if you've probably seen it on TV, you go really slow and then all of a sudden we go really fast, right? And it's mm-hmm. only for like a couple laps. But sprinting really attracted to me because it's very much power-based. So similar to track and field, right? We're very explosive. And um, I've always liked the shorter events anyway. But I, I didn't really see it as an opportunity because there's not a lot of sprint programs in the U.S., but the coach that I'm working with now has an incredible pro- program, and the U.S. has um, really supported um, you know, me and, and my teammate for the last uh, – since 2014, really. That's when I did my first World Cup. But, uh, 
Yeah, so match sprinting, there's three events. There's match sprint, Kieran, and team sprint. And we to qualify for the Olympics, we have to um, we have to be like qualify as a nation. So necessarily don't qualify individually. You qualify as a nation, and it's not like one race. It's Olympic trials. It's gonna. It's the next two years to qualify. So when I was, um, so yeah, track cycling is is pretty. It, the seasons don't. The season never never really ends because you're you're doing these races in the summer that qualify you for world cups but then you have to do nationals to qualify for pan ams and pan ams and world cups and world championships are all points that go towards the olympics um and you just have to be really consistent so sprinting is a lot of time spent in the gym so i'm in the gym about like two three times a week and then on the track um it's a 250 meter velodrome um there's a couple different sizes too like i actually race on a 333 out here or a train in pennsylvania um but I usually have to relocate in the winter or I'm usually traveling to World Cups. So, but 250 meters is the Olympic standard. It's indoor. The one I train on out, out here is outdoor and it's concrete, but the Olympic standard is 250 wood inside. So it's, it's about 45 degrees, pretty banked. You don't have breaks. Um, and oh. yeah, you just, yeah, no breaks. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're con- con- you know, continuing to pedal and, um, yeah, you're just always turning left unless you go up track and you can go right, but you're always going left. And, uh, yeah, it's, there's so much speed and we train behind a motorcycle too. So it brings us up to speed. So sprinting is very specific. Like a lot of the lists I do were squats, you know, front squats, single leg stuff, um, deadlifts. So it's a lot of just explosive power that we're building so we have to build that off the bike to put that on the bike mm-hmm. that's um whoa that's very yeah. impressive that you're able to do all that and, and just keep crushing it what made you switch i mean I'm, I'm assuming you didn't win 15 national championships in the last four years right so what made you were clearly very very good at what you were doing what made you switch over from endurance to track sprinting my body type i'm not like the skinniest person but i build muscle pretty well and i wasn't going up on hills and i wasn't like the criteriums like the road races like they were i just noticed like just girls were smaller and the track is is kind of like always been my thing and the 500 this one event too um it's not an olympic event but it's a it's an event that's usually at nationals and pan ams and world cups but um it's just two laps on an out, um, on an indoor track, um, 250 meters. So 500 meters. So yeah, I mean, it's all out and it's just, it's, it's just, yeah, I, I, I don't, I just, somebody told me that I should just try sprinting because of my body type. And I was like, oh, okay. So you just like get on the track and do like a lap and sit down, but it's actually way more than that. It's, 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 I find it harder than like a four or five, six hour ride. I mean, I train in the morning on the gym and then I go to the track in the afternoon. That's like, I have about two to three double sessions a week and I train five to six days a week and I find it so much harder, but I find it also so much more rewarding because you're, when you're on the track, you're like, it's a hundred percent that moment. And then, yeah, you sit down and you take a break, but you're, you're building that tolerance, you know, to push your body that hard. It's not like I'm just going to ride and pace myself for a while. Like if you're sprinting, it's, it's tactical, it's technical, 
two, you have a couple, you know, usually there's me and another person on the track and that's, you know, the first person that crosses the line wins. That's the sprints. The Kieran went behind a motorcycle with six people. And then when the motor pulls off, we have three laps. But if we go all out with three laps to go, you know, we're going to be last. So there's a lot of like technical mm-hmm. aspect to, to, um, to sprinting. And there's a team event that I do. And that's the biggest thing that we're focusing on. It's, um, it's 500 uh, meters. So my team sprint partner does the first lap and she brings me up to speed. Then I come, she pulls off and I come through and I do the second lap, but I have to carry that momentum uh, too. And, you know, we run pretty big gears on the velodrome as well. Like in order to push the gear, we have to get it going, but you know, you have to build up strength off the bike. But with the team sprint, that's the biggest focus that we that USA Cycling is putting on because because it's a greater chance for us to qualify for the Olympics. Because then through the team sprint, we individually get to qualify sprint and care um, sprint and care in spots. That makes the most sense. So we have to be yes. at the top eight in the world um, in the team sprint. So um, at Pan Am's, we were second, and so in the, we're in the Olympic ranking right now. And so we just kind of have to continue. You know, racing the World Cups and being strategic and which events we're going to. We're not going to go to all six World Cups. We, you know, we're going to go to three or four, and then you know, to qualify for World Championships, we want to go there because we need the points. Mm-hmm. So it's all it's all programmed like okay, we're you know, our focus is the build and continue to be consistent and get gain strength. And I think that's what really attracted me to sprinting and. And I just excelled much better at it than I did in endurance. And I wish I got into sprinting when I was younger, but I can't go back and change that. But uh, it's been an incredible five years sprinting and you know, um, everything from like data to power meters to you know, just numbers. I mean, I, I just, I find it so much fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, on your Instagram specifically, which we'll shout out in the show notes, um, I've, I've seen you, you talk about like, wind resistance and uh like aerodynamics a lot and it looks like you guys get pretty deep because i'm assuming if we're sprinting the the margin for error is extremely small but but then also you know it's it's photo finish sometimes you know hundredths thousandths you know mid tenths of a second right oh yeah that's all yeah it's it's crazy how close things can be and even in qualification for the sprints we have to do a 200 meter qualifier and um you know fastest versus slowest then to bracket it through sprint rounds and i mean it's it's sometimes over two days because you have like you have qualification and you have round one round two then you have um best of three four quarterfinals semifinals and finals i mean you can ride somebody three times you win one ride and they win one like you have to go to a decider mm-hmm. i mean it's mentally challenging too and so much fun but the aerodynamics behind it. I mean, everything from position to the bike, I mean, it's everything adds up, but I mean, if you're going to compete at that high of a level, you need to, you need any, you know, every marginal gain, marginal, you know, gain that you can get. Mm-hmm. 100%. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I've won races by just like a whiff of a little, you know, a tire and our tires are pretty small. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and it's just timing too, and being able to like read body language and and the riders and knowing who you're up against. I mean, it's just it's not just going out and riding for five hours, you know, and then racing for five hours and then you know waiting for the sprint. It's just it's not that that's not exciting. Yeah, I I guess in some way, but I, I just love sprinting. 
Mm-hmm. Let's so just fun. get that first five hours out of the way and then just rock and roll from there. That makes, I, it makes sense where you're coming from. I totally <laughs> understand. I believe you. Um, but yeah, just super cool. So make sure, um, again, I'll shout out all your pages and all your socials and, and anything you want in the show notes. So everyone make sure to check that out. Um, and as you said, we did not qualify uh, for the 2016 games. So if I heard you correctly, we have to qualify as a country first, naturally. So the easiest way to qualify for a country was in the relay. And then from there, Thanks, we're allowed in this. Okay. Okay. Thank you. And then from there, we're allowed to individually qualify. There's no just individual qualification. Um, there is. There is. Yeah. Okay. There is, but it just makes the most sense for USA Cycling to just target the team sprint mm-hmm. because like together as a unit, my team's partner and I are, are strong in that way. So yeah, sure. We can both be competing individually, which we are, but why not just do really also solely focus, not solely focus, mm-hmm. but do the team sprint um, since we're both going after the same thing. So it's more metal potential also for, you know, the USOC and USA cycling. If yeah, we're, we're aiming to target for the team sprint, but here we are also able to qualify through the team sprint in the care and say another country doesn't have a team sprint, but yeah, that rider's strong enough and, and qualifies through the, sprints yeah they can also ride the Karen, but they can't ride a team sprint because they don't have a partner mm-hmm. yeah so in 2014 i just graduated from penn state and uh i was just starting to enter world cups so it was kind of like not super realistic that i was going but also okay like i was starting to do world cups for the first time and racing against the best of the best in the world which was super intimidating but mm-hmm. um yeah i just just that whole process with olympic qualification um we're a little bit behind so just at that point it's just trying to see if we can qualify and and just getting the exposure but it's definitely it's not it's not easy mm-hmm. um you know you're you're traveling to races you're competing and um you, you have to be really consistent and get really top results but being so new to sprinting kind of new like i i just it was really difficult. Like we weren't gonna, we weren't gonna really qualify, Mm -hmm. but now we have, we're, we're very competitive, um, in the Americas and, um, in the world, like we still have some, you know, some, uh, spots to, to improve on, but we're, we're definitely, you know, we're both in as a team and USA cycling is in on, on wanting to invest in us. And, um, you know, my next race will be, I have actually a camp in LA. Um, next week that I go to, and then I go to Canada for um, uh, the first World Cup of the season in in Milton, Canada. And then, um, yeah, we just, you know, it's really just important to lay out a plan, and Mm -hmm. USA Cycling is doing that with us. And uh, to just, like, strategically get to these World Cups so we can, you know, we can secure and qualify for the Olympics. And I probably won't know until earlier 2020, but, you know, I just will have an idea generally after mm-hmm. the next few months like how we're doing so mm-hmm. but it's, Very cool. it can change in an instant so. oh absolutely yeah i mean there's so many different factors that run into this but that's i mean congratulations on the second place finish congratulations good luck with the upcoming um upcoming races i just think that that is super super cool so what um what do you have to do to make sure that we qualify um like what are what's the the point criteria, do you have to get so many podiums? How exactly does that work? So that way, when you are coming up towards the end, and as you said, you guys have this plan laid out, you really will know if what exactly you need in those last mm-hmm. few races, if anything necessary. 
Yeah, so the main race that qualifies for the Olympics is the is the Pan American Championships, which are every year, um, World Cups, and World Championships. So it's really important for us in the team sprint to be in the top eight. We can just consistently be in the top eight at these events. Um, they're all points that add up towards the Olympic ranking. Mm-hmm. So that's what it's going to come down to. So, like, for instance, um, there's World Cups in London and Berlin. You're going to have, like, it's Europe. So you're going to have, like, the most competitive um, countries there. So the other World Cups are also then in New Zealand and Hong Kong. You might not have some of those European countries there. So strategically, like, you're going to, yeah, you're still competing against the best of the best, like the Chinese, Australians, New Zealand, but you're going to have also, you know, for us, it's going to be a great opportunity for to, us to be in the top eight, mm-hmm. um, to also get those points Save. That's, that's kind of like strategically what, um, USC cycling is looking at, like where to give us that experience and, and, um, you know, to hope to get some good results and, uh, yeah, so sometimes you just you can't go to all the races, so you have to kind of pick and choose like which ones are going to make the most sense. Absolutely, yeah, having a strategy behind it, whatever gives us the greater opportunity to get some of you guys and girls into the Olympics, I'm I'm a hundred percent for it. So, um, Mandy, that's about it for me. One more time, Mandy Marquette of USA Cycling, um, twenty twenty hopeful, crossing our fingers, knocking on wood for you. Don't worry, we promise. But mm-hmm. Mandy, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I appreciate it. Thank you for your time and thank you for the opportunity, you know, to let us share our story and, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing what you're doing. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. No, it's, it's, uh, it's way more fun for me, I'm sure than it is for you. You've done your interv- interviews before. I just, uh, I just thought of another fun way to do it. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much. But um, no, thank you for all the work you're putting in. As I said, you probably have done more work. We're, we're really not that far off in age. I'm November of 91 and you've probably did more work up to about the age of 16 than I have my entire life so far. So you keep doing what you're doing because you're very, very good at it. I'll keep pretending I'm good at what I'm doing and uh, we'll both live happy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Mandy. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You listening right now, I sincerely appreciate it. Um, Our Olympic athletes and hopefuls and any Team USA member or any person that represents our country, I think deserves more. And this is just our little way of giving back here at our athletes. So please um, make sure to follow Mandy on all her socials. That will be in the show notes. Please follow us at ourathletes.us, I guess, on the internet and pretty much anywhere. Um, Really, and that's just Instagram because that's, Come on. That's the only one that matters at this point. So um, please follow us there, uh, www.ourathletes.us um, on the internet if you want to learn a little bit more about what we're doing on the athlete and, and sponsorship side. And um, email me if you have any questions, michael at ourathletes.us. Please share this um, interview. Please tell your friends about it. Like, comment, subscribe, share, you know, all the buzzwords at this point. So please just uh, do anything like that. Tell your friends about it. I really believe that our athletes deserve more. And I mean, they're super fun interviews, so why not, right? So thank you guys so much, guys and girls, and I hope you have a wonderful day.